end game of the whole process, any review process is to ensure your staff are continuing to grow and develop. It's really about the dialogue at the framework, making sure everyone understands the expectations and then the conversations around that. This is Lead with Culture. I'm Kate Volman, and on this episode, we're talking all about leading with clear expectations. I was joined by Melissa Preisler and Kristen Humphreys, co-founders and partners at Vita Finance Services. Melissa Preisler is passionate about leading a team's natural energy source to drive a company to new heights. Since moving to Nashville in 2011, she's put her passion to the pavement as a financial, operational, and general business advisor with a diverse array of entrepreneurial companies. Kristen Humphreys believes her four years as a business manager for athletes and entertainers was the ideal foundation for the work she does today. She became well-versed in the accounting needs of small businesses. She joined forces with Melissa with the ambition of broadening her exposure by building a business beyond the entertainment industry. Please enjoy my conversation with Melissa and Kristen. You know I love my my one-word answers from <laughs> you two, so... I wanted to start with, if you had to sum up in one word, your entrepreneurial journey so far, what would you say? Oh my gosh. The one word thing. You love it. (laughs) I mean, it is amazing. It's amazing. I would say shocking because every day it can be roller coaster. I think the biggest thing is that you learn every day. Your people teach you and your mentors teach you. So it's every day, it's shocking what you're going to, what you're going to experience. And just the depth and breadth of the types of people that we meet. I mean, entrepreneurs are, are super passionate, visionary people. So we get to be around so many different people from so many different industries. It's just, it's a gift really. And you're right. We learn every day from the different industries. So it's awesome. And you both have different, very different backgrounds. I mean, Melissa, you come from very corporate background. Talk a little bit about just your experience in the past. How did what you were doing before really set you up for success in your journey to start a business? I mean, I feel I started in public accounting and then went to Disney. And both of those platforms really just give you kind of a best practice foundation for, especially in the professional services field of accounting. But really what, what, was the most eye-opening at Disney was, again, just being surrounded by a billion creative people that were just super excited to be around. So if you're going to do what we do, being around people like that just makes the marriage so much better. And so leaving that structure, really the heart, and Kristen was just born with it, is to help other people experience that kind of a partnership with kind of the more structured professional services version of life with that passionate kind of unstructured creative visionary life. So I think once I saw that at Disney, I just knew that I didn't want to work in an environment where that didn't exist. I love that you said that you were in, you've been inspired by so many great leaders. So you are motivated to pay it forward. I really feel that every time we talk and you share just what's going on with your team, I can really feel that passion inside of you. So why is that why is that so important to you? And what what did you see in those leaders that you got to work with that you really appreciated about their leadership style that you kind of carry into your style as well? I mean, I think all of them really had a pay it forward leadership style. All of them, um, it, even my mentors today that I've retired are still serving um, young women organizations or entrepreneurs or sitting on boards. It's all about being grateful for what you have and and sharing that with others who may or may not have that 
opportunity to tap into it. That's really what it's about. I do feel super blessed to have the background and that training comes so easily then in the world that we live in, but it's so overwhelming that people who have never seen it before can't even envision what that feels like to be in a, an environment where you can lean in on having a structure or what have you. So again, that's our mission statement, you know, provide peace and financial predictability to business owners really to take that anxiety and that stress off of them is really just, it gives you a purpose for what you do. Otherwise we're just crunching numbers. <laughs> and we have so much exposure to so many different industries and clients and styles of, of leadership. And so we're able to pour into them and they pour into us. So just the learning aspect on that. And, you know, one industry that's doing a completely different business from another, you still are able to take those different pieces and, and learn and grow together, which is really fun. And Kristen, you worked with athletes and entertainers. So how did you how did you take your background and your history and and bring it into into the business you have today? My background, I was able to tap into all the different levels of of our accounting world and have a lot of exposure. Where a lot of times in corporate, you're isolated into smaller buckets. So that exposure allowed me to be able to do what I do today, and that's be able to take a problem or client that may not be set up 100% and be able to look across the entire company and figure out how we can tap into the different levels and set up their everything from the, their accounting world to helping feed into their culture. And this experience with, with building our own internal culture has really helped me grow this year and allowed our company as a whole to grow. So I didn't have a lot of the structure, but this has been super powerful for our company and for me to, to learn. And now I'm feeding into a lot of our clients with the same things that we're learning. Kristen truly had that trial by fire mentality and she had to, like, she just had to figure it out. We worked at the same place for a couple of years. There was no roadmap. There was no structure. And so you were asked to do something. You just figured it out. And that's super necessary in our world as well, because it is just she and I and our stakeholders and our professional services partners that we reach out to. We just find solutions through other clients or through them. So it's, she had that, well, I've figured this out 10 other times. I can figure out this one too. And that's kind of what you have to have the ability just to say, I can go figure this out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> at least we have information at our fingertips. It can almost be just information overload though, right? Like there's so much information out there. It can be a little bit distracting. And when it comes to building a business, there's just so many different people that we, we can talk to and so many different directions that you can take. Wh what do you feel like uh, helps you kind of remain consistent and focused because you are, you guys are definitely focused in the business that you're creating, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of get that shiny object syndrome and it's so easy to, to lose sight of what it is that you're really building. I think we just use each other. Honestly, we, if we're ever insecure about a topic, we bring it up to each other. We then tap into our own professional resources and our network. And then we usually get two or three different opinions. We'll also use you know, Dr. Google, obviously start there just so that we can be articulate in the topic. And then go reach out to our professional network and then come back to a conclusion. But it's pretty rapid fire. I mean, we don't overthink things. We just talk about the issue. We go, again, pick, 
pick the brains of those people that we trust and then compare responses. Hopefully there's a theme there. And then we move forward. And you guys are a great team. Do you have any tips to share for people that are either in partnership right now or are thinking to get into business with somebody? Melissa and I working together, we we understood how we worked and we worked really well together. I never thought that we would start a business together. It just organically happened. But there's we see a lot of clients that either have a team or they're single owners. And I will say Having a partnership, if you can find the right one, is the game changer to being able to to have um, someone to lean on and to walk alongside together. And thankfully, it's a God thing that Melissa came into my life. We've never disagreed, had one argument in all these years, and it's I would never do this without her. You have to have that person, whether it's a significant other, that's maybe not in the business, but you have to have someone that you can lean on, that you can make sure that you gut check, are we making the right decision, um, that can also push one another. It's really the game changer of, of being able to continually drive your business and also empower the company as a whole. Our staff, I believe, see us as a unit, Melissa and I as a unit. And so that's really important because Leadership is everything in the company. Yeah, I mean, we see it with our clients who are single owners. They have no place to go because they have to maintain this certain, you know, position overseeing the staff and being the leader and always being strong and always moving forward. And they don't have an outlet just to feel exhausted or fried or frustrated. And so we are oftentimes those parties for those individuals. And we have each other. Of course, everyone has days where they're like, are you kidding me? Well, we can say that to each other, knowing that it doesn't mean we're quitting. It doesn't mean that we're giving up. It just means that we're having a tough day. And it's just nice to talk to somebody who understands where that's coming from. And I think that's huge when you're going through and you're starting a business because there's so many trials and tribulations that you walk through. You need that party. So obviously we have the pleasure of working together, which is so fun. And I get to kind of see the growth that you've had over the past year. Most leaders, when they are dealing with a challenge, it's many times it's a people, it's a people issue, right? It's a lot of people issues. So you've done a lot this year on just kind of with your mission and vision and just getting really, really clear with your team. One of the things that we've talked a lot about is just help making sure that your team is, you're helping them grow, right? Like the number one role of a leader is to help your team grow. And that's what you've been really working with them on this year. Talk a little bit about when we first started working together, what were some of the challenges that you were having with your team? And what are some of the things that you put in place to, to kind of get everyone back on the same page and working together effectively? There's this really pivotal point where we, we were most small that it, everything was clear expectations across the board. Everyone knew our heart and it was, it was very easy. When we went from four to seven to 15 is when we really started feeling the disconnect. Our mission was never on paper, but we felt like before everyone knew our heart and all of a sudden, maybe people didn't really know what our heart was and what we were really trying to serve. So we, we came to a point, which is really when we met you, Kate, is when we, we needed to really look inward and focus on these culture aspects. And the biggest one, like you said, was clear expectations. And we implemented a scorecard 
this year that we meet with the staff quarterly. And we have four quadrants that really help them understand where they sit and what winning looks like. What does winning look like in your job? And where are you in that? We have so many things day-to-day fire drills that you can, you have gotten a lot done, but you look up and you're exhausted and you don't feel any sense of accomplishment. So the scorecard is really for them to step back and say, am I meeting expectations in my role? And where are my growth opportunities? And meeting quarterly on that helps them focus back on what's important because we can get lost in the weeds. So we are, we're training staff, we're serving clients, we're trying to be a good employee, a good boss, and really being able to help them refocus on what's important and how they can grow in each role is, and where are they going? Do they want to grow in the company? Do they want to just be really great at this role? It's been really, really powerful and it's really helped the dialogue. Just in the last few quarters, it's been super powerful. We've had tears, we've had excitement. We've had all the emotions, but the emotions are out there and we're talking about them. And it's, I, I think from both sides, employees and from us, we feel that we're really progressing because we're clearly identifying what we need to work on and what we're doing really well. You know, when we first started and it was Kristen and I and maybe one or two employees, they walked alongside us. It was a very fluid dialogue. It was a very fluid conversation she and I were involved in every step of the way. So there was no real ambiguity as to what needed to get done and what the priorities were. We were really involved with these individuals along the way. And yeah, the growth, it just doesn't, isn't physically possible to do that. And I think the big aha, and because we basically can finish each other's sentences for each other, it you lose perspective that others need more information to be able to act on our plan. And so even when we went through and we kind of recast the mission statement, that was how we kicked it off. It's so funny because we included the team in all of this in in bringing the team together to make sure that the mission statement clearly reflected what we did. And then also in the creation of scorecards, but like typical accountants and us too, we were also victims of it. We were throwing in everything in the kitchen sink into our mission statement because there was so much that we do and so much that we want to do to help to support these people but it, it kind of reflected where I think people felt they were, just all this stuff going on. And so the whole process was super, super impactful in my mind to get everybody to rise back up to the big picture as to the services themselves and the value in those services, not the tasks, like not the 800 tasks that feed into those. It was a game changer for sure, I think, in just getting people to really think about why they come to work every day. What's so interesting is just the communication piece of it, right? As leaders, it's our job to to over-communicate, right? Like just continue to tell people what it is that we need them to hear because we sometimes can forget that they're not, they're not in our mind, right? They're not the business owner. They're not looking at the business right. in the same way that you are. And so we might think, oh, this person, of course, they understand what the role is, or of course, they understand what they should be doing, but they have other things going on and they just might not be on that same page, which is what I love about when when people do make that shift from doing an annual review or an annual performance evaluation to quarterly, right? Like quarterly reviews so that your people feel comfortable talking to you. There's a lot of uh, trust that needs to be built to have those kinds of conversations with your team. They have to feel really open that you're willing to hear them if they have challenges or if things aren't going the way that they think it should go. 
And so it's been really cool to see how your team has responded and reacted to it. When you talk about the scorecard, so if somebody's listening thinking, I don't even really know what that means, like you put together a scorecard, what did that look like? What did that entail? Can you give kind of some an example of what that looked like for your team? I mean, we kept it really simple because I think part of the reason people, and I remember this from my, my public accounting days, when these annual reviews that you say are so burdensome and you have so many people to review, it just becomes overwhelming. And it's a full year look back. You've forgotten the progress. You only really know what's relevant that's in your mind today. So it's a very, very simple tool. And really the first page is had like, as Kristen said, four quadrants. One has to do with their technical competency. Another quadrant has to do with client service. Another quadrant has to do with staff management and development. And if you don't manage and develop somebody, it's your own accountability for developing yourself. And then the final quadrant is really more the administrative things that we need to do just to keep the infrastructure intact and the workflow rolling. It's one page and the individuals evaluate themselves with a checkbox. So it doesn't take a whole lot of time, but you do need to read the criteria and really take a look at where do you sit below at or above average. And those aren't the words that we use. It's achieving, developing an opportunity for development really is our grading system. But so they do that themselves and really just it seems like it would be easy to just check the boxes, but you have to read. And it, every time you read those things that we've identified as the five to six priorities within each quadrant, you have to ask yourself, am I really doing this? And so it's a quarterly refresher on the priorities at each person's job, which I think is also a huge intangible for the staff. And then they turn that in. And then we also do the same assessment on them. And then as the document rolls, you put your prior quarter's results in there so that you have a comparison as to how you were doing last quarter versus your self-assessment this quarter and your new supervisor assessment. What's interesting with what we do is that you might be technically competent and killing it in one quarter, but then you just got handed a new client that has all kinds of different challenges and you might be in the O, the opportunity for development the next quarter. So it's not as if there's always going to be this expectation that you have to go up because the world is just kind of always evolving. But I thought like what was very fascinating in this last review is that we did have a couple of staff that came in and completely owned that they said they were going to do X and they feel like they regressed and they knew why and which was great. So to me, the big win was like this self-awareness and this understanding as to the cause and effect of what happens with this work hard. And again, we were super grateful that they were just transparent and humble. And honestly, we came up with a plan for the next quarter and there was peace at the end of it. Okay. Self-awareness is huge, right? Like when your team can start becoming self-aware to how they are and even just coming to you, it's like they're taking real ownership of Trans the role that they're in, which is so cool. This is also accountability, right? Like people need to be held accountable for the work that they need to be doing. And so in any organization, there's two reasons why things don't get done. And it's, they don't have clearly written, very defined expectations. And then two is no one's holding them accountable to those expectations. So having a scorecard, you're blatantly saying, hey, this is your role. These are the things that you need to get done. This is what we expect of you. And then those quarterly reviews are literally, hey, we're holding you accountable to the work that you need to do. And right. so for someone to come and say, hey, I know that I'm kind of missing the mark here, 
this is what I plan to do so that over the next quarter, I don't come back saying the same thing. That's what's so huge. That is growth. Well, that and is then so you feel cool. momentum, right? Whether you're going back, you know why you went back or you're moving forward. The second page is more written and even that's not overcomplicated. It's a few, five questions. What did you want to get out of the review? What do you hope to work on in the next quarter? And we sometimes change that in our discussions because they're feeling a certain way and we have some insight as to what might help them feel better. And so we'll redirect that. But then the first thing that, you know, they have to look at is what they said they were going to focus on when you go into the next quarter. And if there's been no focus on it, I mean, we can't own that. There's no one else that can own that. It's just realization about what people can and cannot control. And I do think it's also psychology that people do what they're most comfortable doing, what comes naturally to them. And our jobs do not, they require you to fire on multiple cylinders. It's not just one. And some people are really strong in the technical and great in the people and the outward speaking and others are the opposite, which is why the team is really important to understand those strengths and weaknesses, but we have to come together and serve it, serve it entirely. But people focus on and they gravitate to what comes naturally, but this scorecard reminds them of what's important. And we also found some of the employees that haven't had a lot of work experience, they, when they scored themselves, they scored themselves very high in almost every bucket because they don't fully grasp the in entirety of their role, which is goes back to clear expectations. You have only had exposure of this. The job is this. So we need to make sure you understand what you haven't gotten to yet. So you may be doing really well at these initial tasks, but there's a whole lot more to learn. So that conversation was very eye-opening to me because it happened multiple times that they just didn't realize that there was a thousand more things for them to learn and grow on. So that conversation was also very helpful. The whole thing just facilitates such an easier dialogue. I mean, because you can have a conversation like we could talk for an hour, but if there's no framework to revert back to and to reference, it just, you forget it. It's too much information. So it really facilitates conversation in such a casual way and in not so authoritative or, I mean, criticizing way at all. It's really about facts and performance. And, and so it's not, it's not overwhelming. I find it actually quite quite easy to do. And I am constantly thinking about it. We are too. We just talked about it actually today about preparing for the next one. What is the messaging going to be with some of these folks and keeping it at the forefront of your mind? Yeah. You're taking the personal out of it a little bit in the sense that it's, Hey, this is the role. Like this is what we both looked at and you said, yep, this is what I'm on board for. And this is what I know that I can do. So it's not like you said, it's, you're not criticizing. You're like, Hey, this is what we're looking at. This is what we together have come up with and kind of made that agreement that this is what you're going to do. And this is what, how you're being evaluated. And so you're really, again, giving them the opportunity to take ownership and people are either going to take ownership or they're not. And this is where teams, uh, it's become so interesting. You might have people when it does cause a little bit of friction, when you start putting different things like this in place with teams, some people decide to leave because yeah. they don't really want to be held, their feet held to the fire. They like that they're not being held accountable. And so that shows up too. Was there any moment in, as you were rolling this out? Cause it is new, right? It's new for the team. It can be a little bit uncomfortable. You, you, you do have a, a younger team, many that are kind of, it's their first role. Yeah. 
what were some of the challenges that you faced as far as just kind of rolling it out and letting people know, hey, this is what we're doing and just inviting them to know more about the process and why it's good for them, not just something that you're doing to do, but it's, hey, we're here to help you grow. We're trying to do this together. I think the important piece with implementing it is we included them. Ultimately, we finalized it and tried to streamline as much as possible. But while we were developing the scorecard and even the mission, we included everyone as a part of that so that they signed off on in a way that, yes, this is my role and this is what I signed up for. I think in doing that, people really find their space that they're really comfortable with in the company. And we may find that some don't want to progress to where they're killing it in every aspect. Maybe they're somewhere in the middle. There may be some that are really ready to step up to the next level. You know, we went from doing one type of review to another. So I think the first one, everyone was really nervous, <laughs> some more than other, just depending on their personality. But what we've always created in our, in our environment is just really safe. You could say anything to us and we're gonna listen. And we're going to, as a team, figure out how, you know, to find the right place for you as possible in our company. So I think having that environment, even though people were nervous, it still helped people have that dialogue with whatever they came with, tears the first time or, you know, struggles or, or excitement because they have a new opportunity that we allow them to be able to speak into that and have a safe environment for it. And the new hires, which again, are mostly right out of school, I think knowing, they didn't have a, a ton to contribute in the development of it, but I think knowing that they're all being looked at to perform in the same way, kind of built their own camaraderie. Like they organically really have created their own little, they go out to lunch and they'll ask each other questions about having, it, it created in my public accounting world, like your entry class, like it created their own little check each other out and make sure they're understanding things correctly, which is fantastic. And the same thing with the supervisors, they've created their own, okay, well, I'm struggling with, if it's, if it's a staff development thing, how do you handle this? So it, it created harmony because they all clearly, they're, they're seeing the same thing. The scorecards are the same thing for each role. So they can have their own conversations amongst themselves without having to come up to Kristen and I for everything, which is truly how it used to be. It was so one-on-one -on -one because there wasn't this this structure that they could reference to have those conversations. It had to be individual conversations, which is just impossible at the speed with which we grew. And so I feel we have tremendous relief in making sure that the communication is consistent and it's timely and it's out there and it's accessible to where it came from, which again was pretty much verbal and shadowing and one-on-ones. Yeah. And I love that with the new hires, before you even hire, you you need a role description and a scorecard, right? Like for every single role so that even before they take the role, even in the interview process, you can show them the scorecard. Hey, this is what you're going to be evaluated on. Now wow. you're getting rid of people that are maybe saying they have some experience that they don't have because they know that they're going to obviously be held accountable to doing certain things that, hey, they have to know how to do. One of the things that you had said, I love, and we talked about it earlier, was just kind of being able to roll with it. And I think that's something really important to highlight, even in this role description conversation, because I think a lot of times we 
might kind of put on our perfectionist hat and we think, oh, it has to be perfect. I'm rolling this new thing out. What is the scorecard and what does it look like? And I have to identify everything. And yes, of course, we want it to be as good as it possibly can be. But to your point, you've been doing this for a few months now and you're still looking at it. You're making some tweaks and changes and being okay and comfortable with, hey, this is kind of the MVP, right? Like minimum viable product of this new way of doing these quarterly reviews. And once you get into it, and you start having these conversations, you start listening to your staff and your team, you can absolutely mold it to, to fit your own, like, how are you utilizing this? Because the last thing that we would want is for somebody to put something into place just because they should put it into place. You actually have to use the data. And that's what I think is so great about what you've been doing is you're really looking at every time you're doing something with your team, you're taking a lot of feedback from them and then incorporating whatever it is that you feel is gonna be helpful in their growth process. It's really interesting. The first scorecard review, we really went through almost every line and made sure they understood where we were different if they had scored themselves differently than we did. The second time, we really just honed in on the topics we wanted to talk about. And here's your scorecard, You know, we were about in line but here's the here's what we really see for this quarter that we want to work on or that we feel like we need to discuss. And it was more of a, a conversation and not the scorecard up on the screen going through. So even just from quarter one to quarter two, it shifted and that we really utilized it, I would think, more efficiently. I mean, the end game of the whole process, any review process, is to ensure your staff are continuing to grow and develop. It's really about the dialogue, the framework, making sure everyone understands the expectations and then the conversations around that. But to your point, it's, that doesn't have to be perfect. It's to facilitate that conversation to identify the opportunities for growth, development, et cetera. So the point of the document needs to be, how can you this best facilitate growth in my people, which is psychology, because they all are different, right? Everybody comes at a review with a different, some are overly ambitious, killing it. We actually hear that all the time. We love it. We love using <laughs> that. And then there are others that, you know, are more insecure or shy. And so our biggest job is to be clear on the framework, which I love, again, that we included the staff. They bought off on it. This is not a surprise. They helped to create it. But then it's about the, using that framework and then tailoring that conversation to the psychology of the individual that you're dealing with so that you are, are moving them along that path. And that to me, the fun part, because I just think people are fascinating. And we walk away. It's like a one sheet, a couple of things they're working on to grow and a couple of things that we could help facilitate them to grow. And that's at the forefront of our mind the next quarter, because maybe they need a staff member. Maybe we need to go start recruiting, or maybe they needed some development in a certain area that we can help train them. So we, we also have a, a list that we can help then develop them as they're helping develop themselves. So it's definitely tactic. You walk away with a tactical piece that each party can work on for the next quarter. And hopefully we're all working towards that so we can come back and feel really accomplished the next time. Well, and three months goes like that. So the list can't be that long. And that's yeah. what makes it also manageable. Like we don't have to come up with a year's objectives for somebody. What are we going to do in three months? And Oftentimes we're in the first week of the third month already because it takes time to roll it out after the quarter. So 
it goes fast. So you can't be overly ambitious or the next quarter you're going to flop on your face. That's right. Oh my gosh. That is so true. All right. Well, you are amazing leaders and it's so fun uh, being able to watch you as you're developing your team and growing your team. What I would love for you to share, what is one skill that you think every leader should really be working to improve? You know, Kate, you told me this and I had it written on my desk. (laughs) I did? What did I say? But fair. Tough but fair. Ah. Tough but fair. For my personality, I have to realize that being a direct communicator and being tough is still okay, that you can still have a safe, trusted environment and still be direct. So that is my... That's my go-to because what happens is then you're not clear. You don't set expectations. You don't hold people accountable. So if you are not tough but fair, then it creates the complete opposite. And you just shove things under and you don't bring things up when you should. So that's what I keep going back to. I love it. I love that you have it written down. That's amazing. (laughs) You actually says it out loud all the time. Um, I truly kind of come from the place that people, I do think people want to be good at what they do. Nobody that we hire wants to be failing at anything. And so I always come from it. That's why communication, direct communication is not that hard for me. Obviously you want to say it from a place of, of kindness and empathy and with, again, the person in mind, but people want to be successful. So they need the information to be successful. So if they need to do something differently, you have to tell them. But I will say my tip has always been sprinkle it with a little bit of humor and sarcasm. <laughs> I inherited sarcasm from my very loud and boisterous family, but I do feel like it lightens the mood a little bit. Like not everything has to be so serious. People hear me say it all the time. We are not saving lives. (laughs) We're not surgeons. So let's just kind of lighten the mood. Let's figure out what the situation is. And if we need to redirect or correct, it is what it is. But if you don't make it be so heavy, the direct feedback, it usually can kind of just roll forward pretty peacefully. The right people step into it and take it seriously. And you got to find the right partner that, that likes to be direct. <laughs> That's right. So you don't have to do it. So exactly. She to do it. That's the key. <laughs> she just cuts herself down. She does it all the time. Oh um, my gosh. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad we got to do this. This was awesome. And I am sure that there are people that are thinking, all right, I got to implement my role description, my scorecard. So thank you for sharing your experience and journey with us uh, today. Well, you have been a major impact on all of that. So we thank you as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you got something out of it. I absolutely loved this conversation because it all comes down to expectations. This is what it's about. When everyone on the team knows exactly what's expected of them and they're being held accountable, this is what helps us grow. People get to grow individually. We get to grow as an organization. It works so well. And I know that some leaders, they really don't love hearing that they would go from an annual review to a quarterly performance review. But if you don't look at it as a review, right, as this big thing like that annual review that so many people typically use, and we instead look at it as that opportunity, like Melissa was talking about, it's this opportunity to just open up dialogue, to have conversations with your team members, to give them space to let you know how their work is going. What do they need? What challenges might they be facing? Maybe you can uncover what Matthew Kelly calls in the culture solution, an expectation gap. 
Maybe there's a gap in where you need someone to be and where they are right now. There's some type of gap. And only by having these conversations can we decide how we're going to fill that gap. What are we going to do? How are we going to make sure that our team has what they need to be successful, to grow, so that everyone in the organization continues to grow? So I loved this conversation. Obviously, Kristen and Melissa are great leaders. They're doing incredible work with their business. They're growing. It's so fun to, to watch what they're doing. And I hope that you got something out of it. And hey, this is your opportunity to try something new. If you've never done a scorecard, now is your time. Put together your scorecard. And if you want to learn a little bit more about role description scorecards and expectations and leading with clear expectations, I definitely recommend checking out Matthew Kelly's book, The Culture Solution. And we at Floyd, we have a free resource. So if you are interested in not only making some changes in your organization, but really focusing on the culture of your organization, right? If you want to have a really incredible culture in your organization and make a huge impact on your business and on your team over the next six months, 12 months, three years, five years, then making culture priority is going to help you do that. And so we have a free resource. It's our culture assessment. So you can basically assess where you are today. How would your team rate the culture of your organization today? So if you would like to take that free assessment, you can go to floydconsulting.com slash culture. You can take it individually. You can ask your teams to take it and it'll give you a nice score on where you are. Thank you again for listening. We so appreciate you. And until next time, lead with culture. 